0: And this week, we're going to start the show by talking about an old lady dying, but not the one you are thinking, listeners. Hashtag out. Welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, my name is Rory, and I'm joined by my two very good friends who I'll let introduce themselves now. Adam, hi. How are you doing? Hope you're doing well. And?
1: Andy. Um, again, hope you're doing well. Love to be in the pod. I will be departing slightly earlier than normal today, but um, yeah.
0: We are now announcing our departures because we realised two shows in a row that one of us has just disappeared, done the old Irish goodbye, which I don't actually mind doing at parties, but in audio form it just feels a bit weird. Um, So we decided we're going to announce our departures, but for now we are all together and we're all ready to talk about Champions League action. But first, um, Adam, I'm going to ask you, how has your week been? Um, what have you been up to?
2: Um, all I can say has been quite eventful few days at work where I've had a few late nights recently especially uh, last night I was uh, in Windsor schmoozing with some clients so uh, yes it was uh, quite uh, the scenes shall we say in Windsor it has to be said so many shoes around so that was a uh, interesting kind of environment. Was it a full
0: his- like super
2: do mm-hmm. like... Kind of, smart-ish, smart cash, shall we say, but Ooh, yeah, it was nice. one of those where it's just like, yeah, it was nice kind of scenes with the riverside and everything, didn't see too much of the castle scenes, I have to say. Was,
1: was there to... um, beverages involved? I was going to say, uh, there, was, there, was, a there, was, bar,
2: there right? was a few. There was a few, there was a few. Unfortunately, I did have to commute back, so it was one of those, but no, it was, uh, <laughs> apart from that though, mate, it was uh, very pleasant. How about your week anyway?
0: Um, yeah, not bad. Mainly just watching football in the evenings. School year is starting to kick off. Things getting a little bit busier. Um, the new job almost kind of has me in sales, trying to get new customers through the door. So it's the first kind of sales-based job I've had, which is a bit yeah. of an adjustment. But yeah, it's going all right. It's mainly just when I get home watching football, really. That's the only thing of note that's happened this <laughs> week, I think. Um, Andy, what about yourself? Yeah, like work's been pretty busy. I've been going into the office a little bit more uh,
1: than normal. Um and then obviously play football every now and then. So yeah, try to catch up with football as well. So yeah, it's been, um, been a bit a busy week. I'm looking forward to the weekend when um I get to go up to Manchester and see my mum and all that kind of nice. stuff and show my girlfriend the uh north of London gap. Uh,
0: so. <laughs> it's not her first time above the Watford Gap, is it?
1: Oh, uh, it'd be the first time in Manchester. You went to Newcastle once in Scotland, but that's a different country.
0: So oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's been it's been
1: a limited exposure. So uh,
0: yeah. Well, fingers crossed for you that you get the one day in Manchester that it doesn't rain, so you can show off Manchester. Hopefully, <laughs> unlikely. already set the expectation
1: it's going to rain, so uh, it's
0: not going to be my fault. Beautiful. Well, I think we are all ready to get into the blimp and talk about some Champions League action with lots of goals let's go and here we are up in the blimp and it was champions league action and there are so much so much to talk about and it got off to the perfect start with tottenham losing to sporting but we're gonna wait i'm gonna (laughs) wait i'm gonna wait we can get onto that later um First, Andy, I'm going to throw to you. What was the the game, the match, the talking point that kind of caught your eye this week with the Champions League? I thought the Manchester City Dortmund game was
1: um, mm. very, very sort of pulsating. I think um, I thought you know Dortmund were going to have it, but I think a bit like Real Madrid did in last season. Um, you know, you if you see the difference between like a good team and an elite team. Because Manchester City, you know, with the work at their best, they could have conceded a couple of goals. Um, you know, we've said before, they still look occasionally sloppy defensively, and um, but they just have the personnel uh, to pull up the quality moments. Mm-hmm um and that's what they showed in that game really like when when it's almost that they needed to concede that goal Mm. to get their asses into gear um it does feel
0: like a trend with it it does feel like a trend with city at the minute but when you know you know you've got players like john stones who can regularly just smash them (laughs) you know you've got that in the back pocket you're fine right you'll always be fine
1: I mean that's confidence for you, isn't it? Like <laughs> i never I never I never thought I'd be in a John Stones massive worldies kind of stage. <laughs> but to be fair, John Stones is a confidence player. I think we've mm-hmm. seen it over the years. Like when he goes for a rut, it's it's a bad rut. Yeah. Uh yeah. but when he's playing well, he's confident. He's obviously now at the moment the first choice centre back. So you know, and um, he is technically actually quite decent on the ball. You um think. had he is had very um good. He had quite big company vibes. Do you remember yes, a couple yeah. of years back? It was like last ever game, but with his last ever game, he just bangs on in. Obviously, it wasn't quite of a magnitude event-wise, but it was good. And then... Yeah, we've obviously got to talk about the big moment, which is the uh, the Haaland goal. I mean, it's the most filthiest cross or one of the most filthiest finishes <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, seen. Yeah. I mean, Cancelo is like the best right-footed left-back I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, honestly, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not really his position. It's incredible. Uh, the way he just nonchalantly knocks it outside his you know you boys have played you know you boys have played football as well just do that from a standing start pretty much is incredibly hard to do yeah. uh if i tried that you know
0: i'd fall over <laughs> 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 i think i might pull a few muscles yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few muscles i didn't know existed <laughs> um
1: and yeah it's um and obviously harland i mean uh, uh, you know know what the English media is like when they pick up on certain trends. Like, you know, we've already established eight billion times that, you know, Martinez is five foot nine. And every single game this season, we're going to be talking about how many touches inside the box that Erling Haaland has. And the reality is, it really doesn't fucking matter. (laughs) And it's not going to matter because he's not there to have 500 touches in the box again, little tippy tappy football. He's not there for that. I think everyone knows it by this point. He is there to produce in the big, big moments. And it was very you know, you think about Peak Slatan, mm-hmm. you know, the way he just got his foot up so high yeah. and just knocked it in. Um, and that's what and that's what's incredible. I mean, there's there was a warning sign just before where it came across, he just knocked it first time just to touch the outside of a post, and it's mm-hmm. just That instinctive quality that he has, you know, it's nothing to do with him being like, you know, obviously he's a large bloke and a physical specimen, but his technique and timing is is we've all seen players.
0: We've all seen players like, I don't know, Nikola Zigic, who was like six foot eight, like size (laughs) doesn't do everything. Like you still need to have technique. You still need to be like have that speed of thought. You still need to be like a world class footballer to do what he's doing but what i like i'm going to pick up what you said about the touches in the box like he said as much in his press conference after the game he said i don't care my dream is to have five touches and score five goals he said i I don't care how often i touch the ball i care about how many goals i score and i think that's what that is we've talked about it that is the one job he's gonna have in that team Mm -hmm. you don't have to do anything else just score goals all the other 10 Can play football better than you can probably play football. You just concentrate on scoring goals. (laughs) Like, and it's just you can see it's almost he's liberated and he was already scoring mad amount of goals, and now he's liberated. It's insane. Um, but I also I'm gonna throw over to you, Adam, but I also wanted to give Dortmund a bit of credit because I think defensive stability is not a word that's been connected to for a while. No that first half they did incredibly well to keep City where they were. Like, okay, not much happened in the first half. It's a pretty dull first half. But that is down to Dortmund doing their job so well. Like, what did you yeah. think of Dortmund in this game? Yeah,
2: I think it, you've kind of echoed it really nicely, I think. This is the kind of side that you would have said last year or last two seasons would have struggled. They would have crumbled. And mm. I think the fact that we're talking about it had to take world-class efforts to beat them on the day, I think that says a lot about Dortmund and how much they've grown into this in the last season or so. Um, One of the things you have to say, Jude Bellingham just continues to look amazing. Um, But they have got some really exciting players in that squad right now. And I think, you know, there was an opportunity for Mounier after Mm -hmm. City took the lead and you thought if only he could stroke it a bit better if he could have hit that a bit more intently Mm. at goal then we could have had a real good game on as well because we were kind of entering that last 10 minute phase as well at that point Mm. as well so you know what they did themselves proud I feel although I don't think you could tell by the fans reaction that they actually felt Mm. that they did well because they held on for so long and unfortunately it was just a bit bit of balance in terms of quality right Do
1: you think the goalkeeping could have been a bit better? Uh, Because he kind of looked a little bit statuesque. For Haaland's,
2: you mean? Or both?
1: Almost both. I think more so Stones' goal. Like, you know, he had a bit of time to see it.
0: (laughs) it 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 I'm I'm not going to start picking apart goal. Like, Uh, that was right in the top corner. Yeah, I I think Uh, even
2: if you had the likes of Donnarumma or the best keepers that maybe you could shout about, I I don't think they could have maybe got a fingertip to it, because it's I think a split the, I think... reaction, isn't it? As, especially with Haaland, you don't expect him to kind of <laughs> direct the ball while he's doing that. <laughs> like we've all said, we probably would have like got it over, pulled our muscles, et cetera. The fact that he managed to, like, somehow just get back into the goal's direction, I don't think he anticipates it. I think he's just there to block it, yeah, and he doesn't anticipate it because you see from the uh, reverse angle it goes through his arms, doesn't it? Mm. Just like while he's holding it up, so I don't think he's anticipating it. To be fair, well,
0: Andy. Th- there's a picture that kind of sums it up as Haaland is hitting it. You can see one of the Dortmund players' faces in the background, and he's yeah. like. The look of confusion (laughs) on his face, like it's kind of like when you know in basketball when you see the players like, and his his face is in the guy's nuts as he's like doing the slam dunk. It's just like kind of like complete shame and confusion on his face. Like what the hell is going on? Um, Yeah. Two incredible goals. I think Dortmund, they're, they're in this weird hinterland, right, between being a good team and a great team mm. or, like, a very good team. I just think they've been there for a while now. I always think, that like in my head, I'm like, oh, Bundesliga has two good teams, Bayern and Dortmund. And then every time I look, I'm like, actually, Dortmund aren't doing that well. And I feel like mm. maybe they're just, they're just not quite hitting that level again. Maybe that's no. what happens when you, you get great young players and then have to sell them, right? You never really get the full ability of these players but yeah. they are almost maybe getting the full ability from bellingham but again it yeah. seems like it's a matter of time before he's going to arrive in the premier League. yeah um i think well, bellingham is really good i mean he's, he's incredible considering he's yeah. what sort of like
1: 18 19 mm-hmm. he's very very mature on the ball yeah um, and england don't have for all the talent we have um these days, we don't—they don't really have a proper deep line playmaker no. from midfield no. that can also do the box-to-box stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Technically, he—he he can make those line-breaking passes. Uh, he has
0: to be starting in the World Cup. He has yeah. to be starting. Oh uh, World yeah, World I, I think don't that, think I there's think... any defense for him to not be there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Mm. i think and uh, you know what i found out this week another player that could have played for ireland the amount of players that ireland <laughs> could have had and they've all run away to england it's heartbreaking maybe we'll get his brother maybe we'll get his brother who knows um so man city get another win dortmund unlucky beautiful beautiful goals adam i'm gonna mm. go to you what's your next talking point in the champions league
2: I was toying between two, but I'm going to go for it. And it's Rangers versus Napoli. Um, Rangers, we mentioned on last week's episode that they had to turn out and have a better performance. And unfortunately, on this occasion, after 60 minutes, they were broken by Napoli. Um, in fairness, Napoli had a few chances leading up to mm-hmm. the dead break um, itself. Um, Zelinski having two penalties and both being saved, which was incredible. We need to um, talk about
0: that as well. We will. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. But I have to say, a guy that you mentioned on last week's review, Politano, he was incredible for this mm-hmm. match. Uh, you could have said, though, in fairness, so many of that midfield or team that you could highlight for this match because Zelinski, although we're talking about he had two penalties saved, he was still incredible. And Guisa yeah. looks incredible. Kfara was great. I mean, yeah, there was the one particular highlight where James Tavernier is diving in and he skips past him and he's just got an open goal yeah. to aim at. And it was like he does that every week now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one player that we did also mention, uh, Raspadori. His touch and finish was incredible. Incredible, it was a great goal, that. and 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 Dobley, some... and, and finishing out of as well. Yeah. Like this is the guy that Spurs was like rotting in the reserves essentially, and somehow Spalletti's getting the best out of him, and that's incredible. But. There's so many superlatives about this Napoli squad mm. and it just looks a level above Rangers. The fact that at 3-0 you saw the whole stadium empty out yeah. kind of shows you what an impact. And uh, it's just a shame that Napoli fans couldn't see it because uh, I'm sure they would have been ranting and raving in that little mm. corner of Rangers Stadium. But yeah, I'm sure Craig is probably screwing at us, reminding him about this particular match. But we have to say, guys, it was an incredible performance by Napoli again.
0: Well, I think I think Rangers have come up there against the team that have been the most impressive in the Champions League so far. <laughs> they've been the best team in the Champions League so far, Napoli. They've beaten yeah. Liverpool 4-1, and they've now done Rangers 3-0 away, which is like that's a difficult place to go to. You've got no away fans, right? That is like a rough place. And you could see for the first 20 minutes, the Napoli players weren't quite comfortable. It took yeah. them a while. Rangers, were, I think we're having the better of it. And I was like, oh, they might not settle here. And then obviously as the game goes on and Rangers keep gifting them opportunities and keep gifting them penalties and red cards, etc., it obviously gets easier for Napoli. Um, I saw quickly, I saw a great quote about Ndombele and I can't remember who it was. It was a French commentator who said, I was told that he was like Jesus and could walk on water. Well, it would just be good if he would swim at the minute. <laughs> like, it's such, a, such a great quote. But maybe he's starting to swim with the penalty situation. Now I yeah, I don't understand because now the goalkeeper saved it by coming off his line, but then the deflection goes in, right? So Napoli, whatever advantage Rangers had, that, that advantage is now gone. It's a goal, right? Mm. So the ref pulls it back and says, No, no, you've got to take it again. And then he saves it. So Napoli are now at a disadvantage because of a foul or a, a, so, a crime, so, for lack of a different word, yeah. that Rangers have done. It seemed like I know it's a very, this happens once every 10 years or whatever, if you know what I mean, but it seemed like such a strange thing for the ref to have to call it back, Seemed as Napoli had scored anyway. Just give it. Right? So there's a different
2: angle that shows there's essentially three Napoli players that have, Encroached as Zelensky is right. hitting, basically okay. that's why it was pulled back. For I and, thought it was encroachment as, of
0: the keeper. No,
2: so what it was was okay. encroachment as Zelensky takes the penalty. Ah, okay, so that makes sense. Okay, re- okay. The rules say, regardless if he scores or save, it has yeah. to be retaken. So, uh, okay. yeah, that's that's okay. the reason. But yeah, what yeah. I would say is the first instance where he's been given the penalty, like Ebi Sands, obviously, I think it's Ebi Sands, is his yeah, first yeah. name, but um. Yeah, He was very unfortunate. I, I felt that was really harsh, it has to be said, to be given that as a the yellow card offense, which has fundamentally yeah. got him sent off, but also just as a foul. Like it didn't
0: feel like the yeah, most obvious a second yellow is like very it. harsh, especially yeah. as it was between two players. It was like a sandwich. yeah, it was, because like, it was kind of it wasn't just yeah. him, it was yeah, it was a bit of a harsh one. Um, and Rangers fans probably justly would have been uh, quite pissed off. They then give away another penalty (laughs) and just let Napoli back into the game anyway. Um, And I just feel like, is this a bit of, I don't know what you think, Andy, but is it a bit of like, the Scottish teams haven't been in the Champions League for a while, right? Is this a bit of like the big stage, a bit of like lack of experience? Or I I don't know, what do you think? Because it seemed like it was a real comedy of errors a bit last night for Rangers. Yeah, I think Rangers
1: especially are... They look defensively woeful at the moment, mm-hmm. um, you know. Especially watched the Old Firm derby from start to finish, and they they do look like they needed some reinforce, reinforcements back in because I think um, they're still largely you know got the same sort of players that won the mm-hmm. title you know over well over a season ago. And losing uh, Calvin
0: Bass is massive, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, if you look at most of our squad, like Jamie Sands is an out of Position midfielder playing at centre back, mm-hmm. um, and he's looked out of his depth a couple of occasions at that position, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, Lunster's quite a flexible player, uh, but you know, the likes of, you look at the midfield, like uh, Scott Offield, Steve Davis, Ryan Jack, they, they've been that midfield for what three yeah. or four years, mm-hmm. um, and I feel that they've. With the Champions League campaign, they probably needed to um, refresh the squad mm, a bit yeah. more than they have done. Um, unfortunately, they haven't. I think part of that is a consequence of um, the heavy investment to get up to the point where they are at the moment. So, yeah, and I think um, certainly, you know, over in Glasgow, I think Van uh, course obviously we, Rangers didn't win the league last season, but Van Bronckhorst was largely immune mm-hmm. from that because he took over halfway through the season through. Yeah. and yeah. their European campaign was absolutely banging. Uh, yeah. He the Open yeah. League final. This season, though, he hasn't got that to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think with Rangers' group especially, I'm not entirely sure where they're going to get their wins from.
0: Well, um, that's a rough group. Napoli, Liverpool and Ajax. They're not fighting yeah, yeah. that game no, against no, Ajax.
1: That's not... Ajax like, is... Yeah, Ajax is still gonna be a difficult game, but that's the when you see maybe trying to work something for. But I think um obviously I guess that leads quite nicely on to the other side of um Glasgow. Um mm. in Celtic. Now, to be fair, I think Celtic have been quite unlucky. Um, because you look at the first hour or so they played against Real Madrid, they created a few chances. It's and then when they, they hit the post, right? Once yeah. or twice, maybe yeah, yeah. yeah. it's the same thing again against Shakhtar. like they were largely on top for most of the game. Obviously, we checked uh, you know, I th- the fact they're even in the competition is a milk in itself because yeah. they've not been able to mm-hmm. play in the Donbass arena for mm-hmm. about nine, eight or nine years. Yeah. They're playing their home games in Poland yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. at the moment. So, you know, with a lot of their foreign players have um, jumped ship because you know yeah. they, they could and war reasons. Yeah. So it's a it's a very largely homegrown uh, yeah definitely not a full-strength factor side that we're kind of used to. Uh, but even so, um, I think, you know, with the likes of Furuhashi and the Tate midfield, they, you know, they have got some good quality players there. I really,
0: the other- I, yeah, I really think that, and, and Big Anger, his yeah. eye for Big talent Ange, is yeah. outstanding. And having the fact that he's like, I love... Like Japanese footballers always kind of interest me, always fascinate me a little bit, and like I love that he's bringing in these players from the Asian kind of market and being like, no, these are good players; these can hack it in Europe, and like giving it more of a chance. And they're doing incredibly well. And they've got a very exciting team. But I think you're right against Real Madrid. Like you're always, Jesus Christ, it's yeah. the champions; you're always going to struggle against that, right? They did play quite well. Shakhtar, I think they probably should have been able to see it, yeah. but yeah. for one of the homegrown talents who I fear. As an Arsenal fan, Arsenal <laughs> may have missed the boat on this guy, and we should have just paid the £30 million in January. Yeah, he's Madrid. Madrid I but, yeah. yeah, he's very direct. Just, he yeah. is so... God damn it, we should have just bought him in January. He's He's got, like, Real Madrid written all over him by next summer. <laughs> like, he's just gone. He is... That goal, the way he takes it, and is is sprinting like is somehow quicker with the ball than without it. It's like insane, yeah, it's incredibly good. That's player. The thing and- though.
1: Players who've got that close control to be able to run at that speed mm-hmm. and then make a good decision, like they all they'll invariably find them find their way mm-hmm. at a top club yeah. because yeah. any club at any level that is an asset. um so yeah you could definitely see him going yeah
0: um, Yeah. and they were saying something really interesting about any money that he get like that they get for him will obviously like go towards the club go towards their youth system but will also go towards the uk the ukrainian war relief they've, they've said that they're like any money that the club makes now they're donating towards the ukrainian war relief so if someone dropped 60 million on him, Putin's going to be pretty annoyed, I imagine.
2: <laughs> quite, quite a few
0: more. Um, So, yeah, nice little story there as well. But what a player. And I think Celtic were very unlucky, but it's good to see Tart doing so well at the moment. Um, I'm going to bring up a topic now, and this is the rise, apart from Porto, of Portuguese football this week. And a kind of trend I've kind of noticed. I've not been the only one. I'm not going to claim that, but a trend that's been noticed recently of Portuguese teams starting to do better in Europe and starting to kind of get a bit further. So we had Benfica into Mm. the quarterfinals of the Champions League last year. We had... Braga in the quarterfinals of the Europa League last year, I think. Mm -hmm. And what I think is happening is the quality of the teams in Portugal is just increasing. For a while, it was only ever Porto. I felt that ever made an effect, right? They won it under Mourinho, and then they were being the Champions League, just causing problems for other teams. Now it feels like every time you face a Portuguese team, you're like, oh, these are going to be good. And I think I'm going to start, with uh, benfica and i'm going to save the dessert of sporting (laughs) but i'm going to start with benfica so they have now won 12 games in a row and in their last four games they haven't conceded a goal they are in uh, on an incredible run um and they've just turned up at the allianz And outplayed, albeit a pretty average, but completely outplayed, Juventus. This is a team that Mm -hmm. I think every year you have the surprising team of the Champions League. I think we're looking at either Napoli or Benfica are going to be the surprise package of the Champions League this year. But I wanted to talk about um, a few of their players. So they've got the one that took all the headlines was Enzo Fernandez. So he's a 21-year-old midfielder from – they brought him from River Plate. And his yeah. statistics for the match were absolutely insane. He won all of his duels, uh, 12 out of 17 duels, 94% pass rate. Um, he w- won all of his tackles. He absolutely ran the game from midfield, and he's 21 years old. If you match him with a player like Alex Grimaldo, that all of the world are looking at from left wing back, Man City have been linked with him. Incredibly exciting players. Mm. And their front three, which included into legend Joao Mario giving Joe it big Mario. licks with his ears as he put the uh, as he put the penalty in the way that the, the fluidity between those front four players is absolutely beautiful to watch and Juventus could just not keep up with it no. it was a very inventive exciting manager in Schreiter against almost the polar opposite in Allegri <laughs> and I'm going to talk about my theory with Juventus in a minute it might go a bit higher than Allegri but um, I'm going to start with you Adam what did you think of this game what did you think of Benfica and what did you think of Juventus Benfica
2: incredible um, under Roger Schmidt who they got from Leverkusen um, if you remember yeah. so you know he's got a lot of history um, in terms of what he can do in that kind of calibre of situations but I think they've just got a really mature squad now like you mm. think about not even the ones that you've mentioned the fact that they've got Otamendi Jean Maurier so they've got the experienced players as well there's always this kind of thing with Benfica that they've got this curse though there's always this kind of feeling that they've got this curse that will fall at some point but Neres is another one in that kind of front four that yeah he rips it up he's got this reputation that he could be going to a bigger club potentially um Mm -hmm. but yeah incredible incredible performance by Benfica i probably didn't see it um personally because i've seen the rise of sporting lisbon in the last few seasons yeah. and they're a club that um obviously we will talk about shortly but um yeah benfica incredible this season at like 12 mm. and 12 when i saw that stat i was just like where have i been all this time like why <laughs> why, why, why have i only just noticed this, this yeah. now <laughs> like this is incredible yeah. but
0: yeah and, um, and this is off the back of like a huge summer like they sold darwin nunes they sold Yaremchuk, they sold everton jota to celtic they sold gedson fernandez and then they brought in players as you said like david neves um they brought in enzo fernandez and they brought in just loads of young players and julian draxler don't forget he's knocking about there as well Um, so they have got that nice mix of youth and experience just a really really exciting team hoping they can do quite well Mm. um I think they could. Well, is the curse they never get past the round of sixteen? I feel like they ne- it's kind of like that Mexico World Cup one. They just never get past the <laughs> round of sixteen. I think it's kind of like that. Um, But for Juventus, we're going to have to talk about them. Yeah, and we
2: will.
0: now, I think obviously Allegri. I'm sick of talking about Allegri and how boring he is. I think the the problem may actually be above him. And I'm going to lay the blame at Agnelli's door. <laughs> now, I'm going to say that this guy, since he's come in, he he came into the club and he kicked, he banned Del Piero from the club by all accounts. Um, like club legend doesn't even slightly cover what Del yeah. Piero means to Juventus. Kicked him out of the club, banned him, and kind of said, this is my place, right? Since he's taken over, the club we saw from the all or nothing and people could maybe level this at Arsenal as well by doing this, but it feels especially more with Juventus that they felt more like a marketing scheme than a football team yeah. throughout mm-hmm. that whole yeah. thing. It felt horrifically like a marketing exercise. I feel like Arsenal showed a bit of the guts and the gore and the yeah. kind of how Juventus, it was just a marketing thing. They then appointed Palo in a panic. He actually did quite well. And yeah. he decided to not give him time, although there was media pressure as well, and fans definitely wanted him gone. So I'm not saying Juve fans are innocent here. They were moaning yes. about Pirlo. But rather than give Pirlo time, he's panicked, gone back to Allegri, who's we talked about completely football's passed him by. He wrote off on the Ronaldo deal, which has now left the club completely financially ruined, and and they're not winning. At least when he was there, they were winning. Now they're just broke and not good at yeah. Um <laughs> And he's moved them into this stadium, which was smaller because it was meant to fill it, right? Less seats, put up the prices, the place will always be full, it'll be rocking. I've never seen a ground with worse no. atmosphere than the Allianz. Like, yeah, and I, I saw on Twitter this week that away fans weren't banned from having flares, but home fans were. <laughs> like, It's just an absolute shit show. And I feel like Allegri... Deserves a lot of the the credit for how badly this is going, but I also feel like Agnelli really is not. People aren't talking about him enough about how poorly he's running this club. Um, and we're seeing it on the field now. The the, the Juventus players were just not running. There's room rumors of arguments in the dressing room. Yeah, them uh, disagreeing with the substitutions. I don't know what you made of the substitutions, Adam or Andy, but they made zero sense to me. Taking well, off Milik for a central midfielder. Yeah. Midfield yeah.
2: You you saw um that scene with Di Maria questioning Milik mm. at full time, going, Why why did he oh, take yeah. you off? Like yeah. oh, have you pulled something or like he's like nah and it's, it's yeah. baffling. I was gonna say though, Andrea Agnelli's probably other bad flaw was he gave obviously uh Legri a contract till 2025. 2025. And um <laughs> James Horncastle said it on the goal show, he said, um, It was ironic. There was chants from Juve Mm fans saying, get rid of Allegri, he's a monster, he's a dinosaur, blah, blah, blah. And he said, are you going to pay his contract off? Because basically, like you've alluded to, they don't have the funds. So even if they try to, they can't afford to. I did
1: read something interesting on Twitter. Um, There's a bloke called Adam Digby, he's like an Mm English-speaking Juve fan, and he was saying that they won't, obviously because of financial reasons, they won't just pay him off. They'll basically just They'll sack him, but they'll just keep his wages on the books until yeah. he finds another club. And that's essentially mm. how they're going to manage their right way around it. Apparently, it will cost him six or seven million pounds to get him out of his contract. But I'm um, pretty sure they're
0: still doing the same for Peel. Yeah, but then got like the new was it Newcastle that were paying four managers. Yeah, something at one, like that. Yeah, like, I think yeah, that's yeah, the way
1: they're gonna do it. But then I think it's a cost benefit thing, isn't it? That mm-hmm. like, you, you know what by keeping you know, by keeping them um, allegory in, in role, how much money are Juventus going to lose yeah. by losing mm-hmm. football matches? And you know, absolute worst case scenario for Juventus is not finishing in top four or three mm-hmm. to guarantee you no know, Champions League places. Yeah. So that is the worst case scenario that yeah. can happen. Um well you know, there, there's an increasing
0: chance they won't be part of a title race this season. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, all, yeah. it's it's fair, an increasing chance. A lot of
1: a yeah. lot of the problems you're describing, you know i'm quite familiar with uh (laughs) it's very very it always filters down from the top bottom which people Mm -hmm. don't realize when those at the top of an organization when their priorities aren't 100 on football winning trophies you can tell because it filters down to everything Mm -hmm. due to the sort of signings that they make you know with more commercial for you know you You can't tell, like, you know, we've spoken about Ronaldo before. Um, at least Ronaldo is still performing on the pitch when Juve signed him, to yeah, be yeah. fair. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, again, yeah. they've done the same thing with Di Maria. Like, you know, when you're trying to rebuild, signing a 31-year-old Di Maria isn't really mm-hmm. the way forward. Yes, he's still a very good player, but, you know, not necessarily conducive to a great dressing room atmosphere, yeah. Yeah, as has yeah. been proven throughout Di Maria's career. You know, he hasn't got that long... Even in Italy, probably maybe another three or four years, but it's certainly yeah. not at its peak. Um, but he's a big name and brings in that. So
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. That that is the justification for most of the signings, and then weirdly, the one signing that they didn't make like that has arguably been their best signing of the season in Milik, where I think he's the only player off that pitch that could walk with his head held high. Him and yeah. the goalkeeper Perrin, who I think has actually he stepped saved him pretty in pretty well size. for Chesney. He made a yeah. lot of good saves, and he was screaming at the rest of the team like, "I can't." He's like, "I cannot do this on my own." Like, literally screaming, "I like, wake the fuck up!" Like, mm. he just. So I think Milik was the only player who could actually hold his head up high, and then he takes him off for a midfielder. And then the rest of the substitutions are like fairly like-for-like, where you're like, okay, it's a new wing-back for a new wing-back, it's a new winger for a new wing I kind of get what you're doing. But then such is, just this confusing defensive move. I think it really, really did not help Allegri. And for the first time in a while, the Juve fans were losing their temper and booing the players off the pitch. I think there is a There's a tide coming. It's just whether Agnelli can hold his nerve and, yeah, how bad the bank balance is because I think Serie A is not a rich league at the moment. And if Juventus are struggling, who are by far the richest team in Italy, (laughs) then the league's in trouble, really. Um, But, yeah, just a few words, Adam, on Milik since he's come in. It's been incredible. Yeah,
2: Look, the guy's got it. I've always Mm -hmm. known that he's got the quality. He he does it for Poland uh, when he wants to as well. Um, I think this perception that he had glass legs and therefore he wasn't going to last like maybe two games yeah. at max has been completely squashed. Um, he just had a really rough time at Marseille. And that's yeah. a nutcase of a club, well, to be yeah, honest. Like, yeah. If you're like him, where you're trying to get a place into a team like Marseille, you're going to struggle all the time mm-hmm. with Marseille because it's just an ongoing drama down there. Yeah. But the fact that he's proved himself, I, I think... He, what's interesting is he's, I think he's just not absorbed any of the social media and all of the comments that were aimed at him, particularly mm. around the signing. Because I'll be interested to see how many Juventus fans are now willing to give him an apology for what they yeah. actually said when he first signed. And I'm still waiting to see that because. No one's kind of voiced it. Um, They've got bigger fish on their, on their plate at the minute. It might yeah, be down clearly, the road. Like clearly. But yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, there's even voices around the fact that why is Vlaivic on the pitch? Why? Because he's not really done much recently.
0: And Moses You should have come Keen, to the Emirates, do Dusan. So, you should have come yeah, to the Emirates. you should have gone elsewhere. But him. Moses
2: Keane, is he the love child of Allegri? Because every time he seems <laughs> to come on as well. Like, he's got a hold on him, hasn't he? Because he's got nine lives, time, that guy. Just he's got that nine guy, lives. Like, But it's, yeah, Milik deserves better, but he's doing quite well. So um, Mm. he might be the underrated signing for Juventus this season, that's for sure.
0: Well, for the Poland national team, it's nothing but good news, eh? Oh, yeah. It's nothing but good news. Elsewhere, for the Portuguese, kind of continue the Portuguese roundup, we need to talk about, here we go. Oh, they're back, baby. Spurs get (laughs) battered 2-0 away by Sporting. And it is beautiful, beautiful to see the second goal. Oh my god, absolutely incredible from Arthur. But my favorite moment of the game, my favorite moment of the game was Hugo Lloris pulling off another incredible save. All his teammates run around him to congratulate him, and then they concede from the very next <laughs> corner. It is the most Spurs thing I've ever seen. It was beautiful. But before we go in, I am going to talk about Conte and his weird agendas against yeah. players. We're going to talk about sporting and their manager. Now, I was reading about him, Ruben Amorim. He's only Amarin. been there um, in his—he's been there since the 1920 season. He finished yeah. fourth in his first year, then won their first title in 19 years the following year. Yeah. After that, he qualified <laughs> for the round of 16 for the first time in 13 years, and now for the first time in their history, they've won their first two Champions League games. Wow. This guy is doing an incredible job, mm-hmm. and. He's thirty-seven years yeah, old. he's really he's young, incredibly really young. young. Um, now, this guy's career is kind of fascinating. He started. He he retired quite young. I think yeah. his playing career was kind of average, but he retired young. Took over a team called Casapia, who were in the third division of Portugal. Mm. Now, get this: he got banned for a year because he was giving instructions during a game when he didn't have the qualification to allow him to do that. Oh. Right? You like. So, UEFA being the sensible people they are, ban a promising coach for a year, right? The ban then gets rescinded, but by that point, he's left his job, right? And he's like, well, if I can't coach, yeah. I'm off, right? He then goes to Braga, the under-23s, mm. does a good job there. Braga sack their manager. He takes over, does incredibly. Yeah. Like, he beats Porto. He wins the tacit Portugal with them mm. against Porto in the last minute, at which point, despite him being an ex-Benfica player, Sporting are like, we like this guy. And they took yeah. him, and he's been incredible since. I just think he's a really exciting coach. Mm-hmm. And the tactics he uses, playing this like 3-4-3, like, really exciting team. And the way they defended, they're really good at not conceding from transitions and counterattacks. Yeah. And I think yeah. this is why Spurs struggled against them. Yeah. Their three defenders defend so narrowly and so tightly and the wing backs are just up and down that every time Spurs tried to transition, yeah. there was no space. There was no space. Yeah. I think tactically, he absolutely did Conte. And it was beautiful to see. I don't know what, Andy, mm. um, I know you have to go fairly soon. Yeah. But what did you think of this game? What do you think of Sporting and Spurs while you're here? I think Sporting deserve a lot of credit. I mean... Kane
1: didn't I forgot he was on the pitch you know <laughs> it was quite easy <laughs> to forget um and he's not you know usually he's actually got quite a decent record you know even at the higher yeah. stage so mm-hmm. yeah and I think oh the, the goal I really really wish had gone in was the uh, again from what would have been so spursy is for an ex-spurs boy been let go yeah uh, with Marcus <laughs> yeah. Edwards yeah. to come there there was a bit where it was almost like Messi gets Getafe a good few years ago mm-hmm. where he just you know pretty much just shredding the Spurs player like four, five, six of them in one go. And the mm-hmm. only thing it lacked was a decent finish. But again he's getting um he
0: does look electric. He, he looks, looks absolutely electric. Isn't he Yeah, again, He's
1: another one who you know is say could you know benefited from taking a risk and going abroad mm-hmm. and yeah. broadening his rises a little bit which you'd like to see more. So yeah, so but, um, yeah, I think Conte's uh, poor record in Europe, I think, will have to be under discussion at some point, won't it? It, it mm. continues. It's weird. See, it think... wasn't great even at Inter, was it, back in no, the day? No, and no, he never got and even at yeah, yeah, wasn't it didn't, really, didn't really make an impact in Europe with Chelsea at any given point. It's, no. it's an interesting I think he one. got
0: to the quarterfinal with Juve once. Thank you, Tom. Uh, he actually gave me that uh, stat. He'll shout at me if he... <laughs> if I don't give him credit for that. But he got to the quarterfinal once with Juve, but that's the best he's done. Inter, they never got out of the group. Um, I think Conte always needs time to prepare for games. I feel like he needs that week to prepare. And when he has two games in a week, he struggles. And I think Mm. this is where this kind of European form comes from. But we're going to talk about Spurs now. I'm going to try and actually be quite sensible about it. There's two things. He really loves an agenda against a player. Now, we saw it at Inter where him and Ericsson had that awful start to their relationship <laughs> where he just flat out refused to play him. And then by the end of the season, Ericsson had won into the Scudetto, right? Because Conte finally backed down. There are two players that I know Spurs fans are absolutely crying out for. One of them is one of the best, most exciting midfielders in the Premier League that they've just bought from Brighton, Eves Basuma, who cannot get a start. And Jed Spence, who now there was... There were stories of him having bad attitudes at Middlesbrough and bad attitudes here. But for whatever reason, he continues to play Emerson Royale ahead of Jed Spence. And now I think Royale especially, some players are athletes and not footballers. And I think he's an athlete. I think he gets bought because he's quick and he can run forever. But anyway, as a I'm footballer, have to shoot. Oh, Andy, and yeah, I tried to team. make it sorry. as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: We will get the exit smoother at some <laughs> point. But i to, to leave you, yeah. at least we've announced there's an exit. So there we go. He is it, officially off. In cool. true too cool fashion.
0: Now you see me and now you don't. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> see you later. Um so sorry, yeah, yeah. Um so I feel like Emerson Royale as a footballer is actually technically incredibly bad yeah but I yeah. don't know why Conte continues to not pick these players or not rotate not give them a chance like Bentancourt and Hoiberg can't be your only two options they're both good players but yeah. you need another option you need another like if it's not working like Basuma is an incredible player I just can't see why they're not getting chances do you think this is like Conte's personality or do you think there's something behind the scenes like what do you it's- think it is? I, and
2: I've heard it a few times, and this is the reason why Perisic has come back to uh, Conte. If you remember, he was another player that was frozen out under yeah. Conte at Inter, and it's just the fact of he prefers players that does what he says or acts yeah. on what he says he wants to happen. And you saw this in Chelsea, for example, the Victor Moses, an mm-hmm. average player at the time,
0: yeah, yeah, converted
2: yeah. him into right wing back religiously, always played. For Conte, and then thereafter he's disappeared off the scene, hasn't he? Yeah. And I think that kind of tells you the story about Conte. Is if mm-hmm. you're in his good books and you do as he says, then he he's going to stick loyal to you as mm-hmm. well, and he'll play you regardless. Yes, he does need to do the same things like Klopp and rotates, but I think mm-hmm. he just kind of looks at it and goes there. They're players that are going to do what I say every time. then I suspect that's probably the element with Jed Spence where you kind of go, yes, probably technically better and could offer a lot more for Spurs. But because he doesn't do any of that backtracking or maybe the orders that Conte says and does, then that's always going to be the issue for that particular player. Mm I'm surprised at Basuma, I thought he's a bit more regimented and definitely yeah. offers a lot more to his game, like you say, compared to Benesur, Pentacle. Um, But that said, I mean, it's one of those scenarios where you kind of go, Maybe he is saving him till he gets to that level. Maybe mm. he's trying to get him grounded. But well, in the in the thought. press
0: conference, he said that Basuma is still learning the tactics, which just sounds exactly like he's not doing what I say yet. And when he does, yeah. he'll play. Um, there's two more quick quick yes. things maybe about Spurs I want to talk about. One of them is the defense still doesn't fill me with a lot of hope. I, I know like um, Romero is an unbelievable defender, like genuinely world class defender. Yeah. yeah. Eric Dyer and Ben Davis was it, alongside him? I think that's a fairly average defence. I don't know what you make of it, but I thought, that's not, it doesn't match the rest of the team.
2: No, no, no. And again, that is your loyalist to Conte. They're the ones Mm -hmm. that basically do as he says. Um, I've never been certain on Eric Dyer as a defender. Um, I think he's better in midfield. But again, Mm. he's just, he's doing a better spot maybe displayed in some of the defenders that he's got at the disposal mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say um, but I think he will review it I think if he's yeah. given the chance there is the rumours though that if Juve were going to pull the plug on Allegri then he'd be offered the opportunity and he would jump at the chance of yeah, going back to Juventus not sticking
0: around there.
2: Yeah, yeah he's not going to stick around so there is that worry for Spurs fans but that said I mean, and they just Lee- missed
0: out on Potter
2: Yes, I know. And to be fair, Levy will give funds. I think this is the question. Mm -hmm. They've had a lot of money to spend in the summer. Will they do it again in January? Um, It's hard to say. It really is. But on that point, though, yeah, I've never been convinced by defensively Mm -hmm. Spurs anyway.
0: Well, there'll be plenty of money when Harry Kane goes to Bayern Munich. It's fine. But the (laughs) last point, the last point as well is Son Hung Min. Yeah, completely anonymous this year. I don't know. Yeah. I know it's still early in the season, but it's late enough in the season now that you'd think you you would have you would have done something yet. Yeah? And I'm I'm not like I love Son as a player, incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. player. I just think maybe it's not working for him under Conte. And we've seen again at clubs there have been casualties under Conte where players have disappeared, players have not thrived, and maybe he's one of them, or maybe it's the fact that now they have other options. They've got Kulosevsky as well I on think the other side. It. Like I think maybe their reliance on him is less, like what do you think, yeah, 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 again, I
2: think you've hit the nail on the head on there that kind of debate. It is just down to the fact that he used to be relied upon, even though they didn't have quality backups. Mm-hmm. Now there is that quality backup. they don't need to rely on him so much, yeah. and Conte's even said he's the perfect son in law basically, know. you know, I'd have him as my son in law yeah, yeah, but the yeah. problem is unfortunately, he's just not doing it on the pitch, um mm-hmm. again it's just unfortunate because we know what he can deliver. And I think, you know, if there's an opportunity to buy him in the January window, I'm sure there'll be a lot of clubs that will potentially uh, lap up the opportunity because he is a quality player on this day. But again, just unfortunate. Again, I don't know if there's anything more you want to add on that point though.
0: No, no, no. I think I think that's pretty much it. I think we'll, mm. we'll kind of, he will obviously come good as the season goes on because yeah. he's a world-class player. We will exactly. see him arrive. I just think it's worth noting that he hasn't arrived yet. Um, yeah now on the same hand this is the first game that spurs have lost this season and there's been a bit of an overreaction definitely (laughs) Um, (laughs) i think like they are still they're the only they're the only unbeaten team in the premier league at the moment um off the top of my head or man city no man city Mm -hmm. have lost i think spurs are the only unbeaten team so they're still having a very good start to the season all of this is a bit of a storm in a teacup but there will be concerns about conte's european record and it was nice for sporting to win um so before we round <laughs> up there was one portuguese team who didn't do so well um no. and had an absolute nightmare at home and it's the team that historically have been the best achieving mm. or recent historically have been the best achieving portuguese team and it was porto as they lost four nil at home to club bruges yeah and I feel like there's a lot of these teams at the moment in Champions League, just young, exciting teams who've got a nice mix of a kind of experience in there. And Club Bruges are all over that. Their manager, Carl Herfkins, used to play for Stoke. Yes, for Stoke people, City, yeah. Yeah, people might remember him. Um, another, another manager who got promoted from their youth team got the big job. And mm. by all accounts, is doing incredibly well since he took over. The standout players in their team, um, some of these names you might recognize Minule, remember yes, that guy? Yeah, yeah, I remember um, that guy. Silla, a young um, Ivorian centre back who looks very good. Dennis yeah. Adoy, who used to play for Fulham, I think. Oh, yeah. Olsen, who is at Sampdoria, off the top of my head, I want to say. Um, They've got Noah Lang from Ajax, who has yes. a few personality issues, apparently, but is a very, <laughs> yeah. very good player. Yeah. Um, Kyle Larin, Canada's all-time top goalscorer, Yaremchuk, who they signed yes. from Shakhtar um, that we mentioned earlier, and no, from Benfica. Sorry. Benfica, and, Benfica, yeah, and Yukla, who is a young striker from uh, Barcelona, who got the who got one of the goals in this game. He yes. now has six goals and four assists in eleven games for Club Rouge. A very, very exciting team. Really exciting. They are. They
2: really are. And you've got even youngsters like Kamal Soa, who's the Mm -hmm. young Ghanaian. And even the uh, 17-year-old that came on for the fourth goal, Nusa. It it just looks incredible for the finish. But um, one of the things I wanted to say on Bruges is they've also sold quite a lot of talent in the Mm -hmm. last few seasons. So we're talking about De Ketelaer, for example, but also Okarenki has gone to Cabernese. Mm -hmm. Jack Hendry was there as well. So they have had some really talented players. And it seems to be, I think this is one of the comments that I heard this week, and I don't know who said it. So apologies that I'm not giving them credit, but we should be actually looking at teams like Bruges, for example, Sporting, where they're developing these young talents, Mm more so than the teams that seem to be really successful in the Champions League, because they seem to be doing it season upon season now. And you look at the managers they've got, they've got young upcoming managers. They seem to be developing a philosophy at these clubs. And I think that's really working for them because they seem to be playing or selling on these talents for a lot more money down the line. So it has to be said, it's incredible. On Porter, I'm... One of the things I did hear, and this is from Zach Lowey, is that they should have replaced their central midfielder. And they think they sold a left back, I believe, in the okay. summer. And they had, they the had a big selling summer. They yes, had a big they did. selling summer. And yeah, they yeah, haven't yeah. done those positions any justice. I did see, interestingly though, who came on for Porto was Danny Loder, a young English uh, youngster. From the Reading Academy, he ironically came from Wickham's Academy before we had to sell him on oh, wow. to Reading. But um, he's a youngster that could do really well in Portugal, as like the likes of Marcus Edwards has already proved so yeah. far. Um, but it's interesting about Porto that they are struggling, and it's not just in the Champions League, also mm-hmm. in the league. Um, the fact that they've got Pepe who feels like he's 41, 51 Still now, playing. who knows. Still how old kicking he is. people into the air, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically. So um, yeah, when you compare it to that result against Atletico Madrid to this, mm. you're like, wow, there's some big troubles for Porto. And it'd be a surprise if we see Porto progress out of this group at this yeah, rate because I think it's kind Bruges of- look incredible.
0: They look really, really exciting. I think there's a lot to be said for watching these. Um, I was looking at the, <laughs> because my life is exciting, I was looking at the UEFA Coefficients league there today. Oh, okay. And <laughs> I was kind of observing this. So, like, Portugal's fifth and then Belgium's, like, yep. a few, maybe six or a few down. I was like, there is a lot to be said for just watching these leagues every so often and just being like, you know what? Give the era Divizio a watch. Give Liga Nosha a watch and you will see. These like you're right. Yeah. These, the the trend of like bringing managers through clubs and getting their own identity and being like mm. it it seems to be working. It makes perfectly logical sense for it to work. Yeah. And you get to see these players and discover these players before they get hoovered up into the into the big clubs. and I think maybe that's also what kind of makes. The, the Europa League and the Conference League get a bit of a kicking, but what makes it so exciting towards the end is that you do get different teams and you do get some of these young, exciting teams get getting mm. far. And I think that's all part of it. Um, but before we leave the Champions League, Adam, is there any... One more game or two more games? You want to talk about? I feel like we've done. I will problems. just
2: quickly just summarise Barca versus Bayern because I did Oof. sit down to watch this, anticipating more maybe more goals than I actually saw. Um, it ended up in a two 0 win for Bayern. Yeah, Bayern were terrible in the first half. Mm-hmm. Despite the yeah. result going in their favour, they were absolutely terrible. And if Lewandowski actually turned up, which is a very strange thing to say about Lewandowski, mm-hmm. then they could have been winning this like first yeah. half at least three nil um that said it wasn't just Lewandowski that failed to make the most of his opportunities Rafinha also had a mm. few chances um the one thing we have to say Barcelona look a lot stronger than they have done in previous seasons yeah. oh, I was yeah, looking yeah, at yeah. the bench for this particular match when you compared it to the previous time oh, when they <laughs> played against Bayern Munich and the quality has increased it has to be said mm. Um, one of the things that was really noted about this performance was the likes of uh, Alonso and Christensen have learned from their Chelsea days by hoofing the ball and uh, making it harder for likes of Lewandowski to actually control the ball. Um, <laughs> but yes, apart from that, um, it's one of those, that I have to say, <laughs> Bayern comes with a bit of a caveat where they deceptively look like they're a really good side, but they're not gelling at the moment. It no. has to be said, no. Neuer had a few... Dodgy moments, it has to be said. Mm -hmm. He almost gave the ball straight to Lewandowski to score, which would have been an interesting scoreline if that had happened. But that said, um, Bayern, do not write them off. I feel this is a team that's still taking time to get used Mm -hmm. to Nagelsmann's kind of philosophies at the moment. So let's see where they are, say, in February, once Mm -hmm. the Qatar World Cup has gone. And, you know, potentially we could be saying this could be a squad that, wins the Champions League but I'm going to hold my reservations on that one I think it's too hard to say what do you think Rory
0: I think a key of it is Nagelsmann I think what he did because they were so poor in the first Mm. half in the second half he completely switched it so they were super super tight in the first half super compact just running down the middle letting Barcelona have the wide areas second half he went sod it Sane your miles out there Mane was out there and it just completely changed the game I think I tactically he is obviously outstanding and I think he just switched it in the. Second half, and Barcelona couldn't quite catch up. And if you give Bayern two chances, they will score two goals. Like that's <laughs> what they do. So I think, yeah, an incredibly efficient win um, yes. for Bayern. But so I'm just going to quickly run through the kind go of for headlines. For yeah, the yeah other go games. for it. Yeah. Um, Kudus has got a foot like a traction engine as he absolutely <laughs> smashed one in at the Incredible. Um, But Liverpool get back to winning ways. Joel Matip yeah. with the winning goal in the end. Liverpool are fine. They're fine. Stop panicking. They won 9-0 <laughs> a couple weeks ago. They'll be fine. Um, They get back to winning ways. Chelsea won all against Salzburg. Yeah. Graham Potter looking sharp, dressing for the job. Raheem Sterling, Chelsea's best player of the season so far, very quickly.
2: Yeah, yeah. easily. Easily the best player so far. It's just a shame there's not enough players that are helping him in mm-hmm. trying to win matches i feel that's where he's been let down because yeah. you saw the yeah. scenes at the yeah. end of the match where he's looking at this squad thinking what have i where, got myself into have i what? ended up <laughs> yeah <laughs> what have <Yeah.
0: am> i <laughs> yeah um elsewhere we have real madrid beating rb leipzig 2-0 eventually um yeah. two plays Essentio every transfer window it seems like Real are desperate to sell Asensio then every time I see him I'm like this guy's class why on earth do Real Madrid want to sell him he scored an absolute banger Valverde scored a banger I yes. still can't believe they only bought him for five million euros yeah, incredible. absolute bargain incredible talent ID at that club and the last job we're going to talk about last game we're going to talk about is Maccabi Haifa 1 PSG 3 former QPR striker Sherry getting the goal, (laughs) fourteen goals. He got the goal to give the Israelis the lead, but the fun wasn't over. The fun didn't last long as Mbappe, Messi and Neymar scored. (laughs) All three of them scored. Messi is playing beautiful stuff at the minute. I don't care if he's in France. I don't care. Anyone who said that guy was finished, you need to come outside for a talk because he is just majestic. Watching him play, he's... He's playing some of the best playmaking football of his career. Like, yeah. it is incredible to watch him at the moment. Beautiful. Just have to say, the atmosphere in Israel looked unbelievable. Looked genuinely terrifying. And yes. there was a beautiful moment. I don't know if you saw it at the beginning of the game. All the mascots were like lined yeah, up, all the kids. And then they saw Messi it? and they all just ran over to him and hugged him. I was like, oh, <laughs> a proper heartwarming moment. You have to Messi feel sorry seems- for the other PSG
2: players. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: guessing they must be used to it. The only one who would have got annoyed is Mbappe. You can imagine Mbappe Probably. going, what do they want him for? For fuck's sake, I own this club. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a beautiful moment. They all ran to him. Messi seems like such a nice guy. I was like, yes, that was a really beautiful, beautiful moment. And that's it. That's the Champions League roundup, I think. I think we've done it all. I'm scrolling through my notes. I think that's everything yeah. we wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, we have, in fact, got football this weekend. Um, we thank do. you. Thank you. <laughs> Just, <laughs> thank you. We've got Premier League and Serie A football this weekend. So we're going to take a quick breath. And after this, we will do some Premier League and Serie A previews. Here we go, the final part of the show, we're getting our <laughs> listeners that felt like a bit of a marathon the last bit. A lot happened, a lot it happened, is. a lot to talk about, but now there's even more to talk about as we have the Premier League and Serie A coming up this weekend, as well as the start of the Women's Super League. It's all kicking off, thankfully this football. Let's start with the Premier League. Adam, give me one of the games that caught your eye this week. Um, so the upcoming fixtures, I'm
2: thinking Nottingham Forest versus Fulham. On This Ooh. is on the Friday night, so uh, interesting game purely because they're two of the teams that have been promoted. Obviously, Nottingham Forest have about five backup teams as well to go alongside this, but um, Fulham have been in great form. It has to be said, I'm hoping Mitrovic scores just purely for fantasy football reasons there, mm-hmm. um, but Nottingham Forest will be a tough team at home and i'm thinking rory i don't know what your thoughts are they desperately need points on the board now so this could be a game where they give fulham maybe a chance to beat them i don't know what's your thoughts rory
0: yeah if they win they go within one point of fulham so it would be huge um this game last year so forest at home Fulham won 4-0 in the championship (laughs) last Mm. year, but then Forrest beat Fulham away, so it kind of feels like they were just swapping the away points. But it should be interesting. I think look Fulham have obviously had a better start to the season. I think it's fair to say. Mm. But Forest have shown signs of improvement, some decent performances, better performances than the results suggest. I think. But an absolute relegation six-pointer, no matter where they are in the table at the minute. This is a big old game. Big old game. And the atmosphere at the city ground as always, oh. will be absolutely fantastic for this game. It so definitely worth keeping your eye out for that one. The game I'm going to put up is, and this is a game that I kind of thought three years ago, two years ago, would have been mm. like an absolute blockbuster. So it jumped out at me, and then I thought about it for longer than five seconds. I was like, oh, this is going to be a pretty routine win. Can you guess which game I'm talking about?
2: I'm thinking, is it Wolves or
0: versus man city perhaps no no, spurs no? versus Leicester. Ah, oh, of course <laughs> of course it was that I, one it jumped out to me and i was like oh that's gonna be a really good game uh maybe not actually but it could be a good game can spurs <laughs> get back to winning ways can leicester turn around this nightmare of a season they're having tottenham won both the games last season 3-1 and 3-2 uh Leicester, you just need some wins, you just need some points. Yeah. They've oh god, look at that. They need their to forwards. defend. They need to defend. Fourth, That's what they yeah. need
2: to do. They're terrible. Their last moment. game
0: was, of course, that 5-2 at Brighton, which feels like a very long time ago, even though yeah, it was last it weekend. It feels like a very, very long time ago. Um, so yeah, that is a game that is at half past six on Saturday. That could be an interesting one. Maybe Leicester can just catch Tottenham on the bounce, tired from the midweek action. Who knows? Um, Adam, give me one more game and then I'll go one more game.
2: Uh let's go for I'll go for Brentford versus Arsenal because I Ooh. knew you'd probably talk about it anyway. Um, Brentford at home this time here. Uh Tony's earned himself a cap, it looks like, or it sounds mm-hmm. like he'll be at least well in the earned. squad. Well, well earned. earned, yeah. Um, are you scared about the prospects or facing yeah, him? It. Because <laughs> he seems to be scoring <laughs> from any angle at the moment. Um and more to the point, Brentford seemed a lot stronger than last season. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your thoughts are
0: on that as well. Yeah, well, we lost there last season, as everybody <laughs> yeah. and their bloody dog knows. Um, I think the uh, Tony's definitely going to celebrate getting an England cap by scoring. Like, we just know that's going to mm. happen. That's fine. We're 1-0 down in my head already. That's fine. Yeah. Um, look, I think we've come on a lot. They've come on a lot. It will be a great game. If we, like honestly a draw might be a decent result there <laughs> like and that is just the scared arsenal fan within me but i think it's a tough place to go that is actually mm. i wasn't going to pick it because i just didn't want to pick the arsenal game but it could actually be one of the games of the weekend To be fair, it in terms of the yeah. quality that we might see um the last game i'm going to pick is everton against west Ham, which is again on the sunday mm. so shortly after Brentford um lose to Arsenal. We will see Everton taking on West Ham. I think this is a game that, yeah, should it just should be entertaining. I think Everton haven't been as bad this year as I thought they'd be. Um West Ham had a slow start, but starting to look better. Obviously, should have won against, should have drawn against Chelsea. Um their performances have definitely improved. I think this will be a game that is definitely worth keeping an eye on. But the games that have been postponed is kind of sad to see, right? We would have had the rivalry, not a derby, as at HLTCO always reminds (laughs) people, it's a rivalry, not a derby, between Brighton and Palace. And we would have had United against Leeds, which is a derby. And we would have had Chelsea against Liverpool. But the fact that Chelsea have got a weekend off is probably better because it gives Todd Bowley Plenty of time to, <laughs> to just, think up more ideas. <laughs> you yeah, just sit in a room and just dream up theories of how <laughs> his great brain can improve our historic game. Um, so let's go for it, right? Let's very yeah. quickly thoughts on a all-star. I can't even say it seriously. No, just don't say it. It's a, it's, a, it's a terrible idea. It's just
2: it's a terrible idea. Absolutely shocking. Like I, I, I completely understand his. Rationale, which is mm-hmm. apparently this money would go into the lower leagues. We In, uh, both sorry, say we're very skeptical
0: into the lower leagues. I'm very cynical exactly, about how far exactly.
2: That goes. Yeah. I'm very skeptical about this. The pure concept, if you look at the NFL example, is the fact that players do not really give a damn about these matches yeah. as well. They try their best to get out of these matches, so <laughs> you'll end up basically with Leicester City versus potentially Newcastle at a best in terms of a squad pairing up and that's that's the weird thing about this concept also you're going to have a point where people are just detracted off from those games Mm -hmm. as they have done in America let's just not even give it any airtime. I appreciate there's been a lot of conversation on the likes of Twitter about replacing the community shield with this kind of concepts please don't Just please don't. I appreciate it's not a great game itself as well, but not this, not this. No, I think it's
0: just my first thought was, and people would say, well, it serves you right, but I'm obviously (laughs) a northerner. And then I don't want to support a team from the North that has United players and City players. I want to support the team with Arsenal players, but then I can't support the South. I'm from the North. And I thought this whole thing in my head and people, I know people are going, well, that's what you get for supporting a team that's not where you're from. But (laughs) shut up. And it caused (laughs) great turmoil in my brain. So I I hate the idea. You're right. The NFL All-Star game is just a complete, everyone actively trying not to get hurt. There was one time where a player, did actually full on tackle someone and it was like a story for years. Like people still watch that clip. So I think, yeah, it's a, it's a game where there are plenty of ideas we could take for America. Like I put on Twitter, like effective use of video referees. That could be a very good thing to bring in from America. No sponsors on shirts. Like there are some good ideas in American sports, but Not that one. Um, Good. Moving on. We can go to um, Serie A this weekend. Um, Adam, let's go. One game that's kind of caught your eye. I will
2: go for Roma versus Atalanta. Now, this is on Sunday, this is an evening match. Fascinating to watch these two play because Atalanta obviously joined top as it currently stands in the Serie A title race. Um, weird to kind of associate them in a title race at the moment, but yes, they are. Um, but Roma, obviously in good form. Dybala, G- uh, day had a fantastic match as well. Um, that's that Monday night game, I believe, um, where he scored mm-hmm. a cracker again. Um, so, yeah, for me, just going to be fascinating to see how Atalanta cope in or against a bigger side, should we say, potentially a club that will be there or thereabouts as well. So, um, yeah, thoughts on that, Rory?
0: Yeah, I think that is going to be an incredible game. We've said, like you said, Atlanta looking much better than last year. Roma looking stop and start but debala yeah. having an incredible start to his Roma career genuinely yeah. a very very if he can stay fit if 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 yes. if he can stay fit Roma could have had could have an absolute bargain on their hands there that's going to be a great game um and the atmosphere down in Rome will be absolutely electric for that Atlanta, really I've been impressed by Atlanta so far this year yeah genuinely looking a bit like Atalanta of old yes. um the game that I'm going to bring up is Come straight after. Honestly, guys, you have to stay home on Sunday Oof. evening, sit on the sofa, crack open a beer, and after Roma, Atalanta, sit and watch Milan, Napoli. Damn it, sorry. Yeah. I keep doing these weekends where they just keep spoiling us with these days. So that is first-place Napoli on 14 points, taking on third-place Milan on 14 points. They both have won four, drawn two. They've got roughly the same goal. No, um, more or less, they'll get the same goal difference yeah, Napoli three goals ahead on goal difference. Um, this is going to be a fascinating game, as we've said. Napoli been incredible in the Champions League, incredible in the league mm-hmm. so far, blowing teams away, scoring a lot of goals in general. Milan a bit slower, not as extravagant, but getting jobs done. Yeah, I feel like maybe the experience of Milan of like winning the league last year, a few calmer heads, maybe yeah. they could have the advantage slightly but with it being in Milan as well I think that could be a slight advantage but I think there's going to be goals in this game ultimately this is not going to be a 1-0 no famous last words but this is not (laughs) going to be a 1-0 I think this is going to be a kind of 3-2 type thing there'll be lots and lots of goals what are you looking forward to in this game
2: oh in this game in particular I'm just looking forward to the midfield battle the midfield battle yes. where we've got the likes of Farah, Zelinski, you know, and Guisa, can they override the likes of Tonali? Can you know Tonali outdo that midfield? It's gonna be a fascinating kind of matchup, I feel because I think defensively both have their positives and weaknesses as well. Like they have their moments. I think I'd reflect Napoli seems stronger out of the mm-hmm. two, but I mean it's still early days. Um and up top both scoring goals for fun. So um, it should be an interesting match, right? We've got a lot of experienced heads on that Milan bench as well. Um, And Giroud's obviously gone off the boil in recent games. So it'll be interesting to see whether he's got enough fatigue or stamina, shall we say, um, to last this match. Let's let's wait and see. But yeah, I'm fancying here, potentially, a Napoli win. I don't know about you, Rory.
0: I hope you're right. I genuinely hope you're right. This pod is always fully... Behind Natalie. <laughs> I really, really hope you're right. And elsewhere, we do have the start of the women's super league this weekend. It all kicks off today, as you guys are listening, with Arsenal hosting Brighton and Hove Albion. Then on Saturday, we have Man United taking on Reading. Um, and then Sunday. Villa taking on Man City, West Ham versus Everton, Leicester versus Tottenham. Men and women playing each other this weekend. That's a nice little bit of symmetry. Yeah. But the game of the weekend is definitely Liverpool taking on the holding champions, Chelsea. Liverpool promoted last year. So they've uh, this is their first year in the Women's Super League. That could definitely be a game to keep an eye on. We're gonna try and cover the women's game a little bit more. We have to watch a lot of football, guys. And yeah, you have to in forgive more football us is kind of honestly, there is a point where I'm like, I can't watch any more football. I never thought I'd get to that point, but we are <laughs> going to try to cover the women's game. We know that people want to hear about it. We want to talk about it. I think it's important that we give it the kind of airtime that it deserves. So here it is, the first time just treat yourself, sit down, watch a bit of women's football. We all enjoyed the Euros, right? We all enjoyed England winning the Euros. It was an incredible moment. This is the time to get into it. Do it. Do it. Right. Anything (laughs) else to say, Adam, before we go?
2: Quickly, before we go, um, Brighton, um, they're Chase 4 managers. They have got some really interesting candidates. So just to rattle them through, um, some interesting ones as well, because I didn't think they would be maybe in that black book that I mentioned a few weeks ago. But, Bo Svensson from Mainz, he's an interesting character because I remember seeing him for Kidderminster Harriers. He had a lot longer (laughs) hair at that time. Um, (laughs) But yeah, he was someone that made a name or has been making a name in the German league. So keep an eye out for him. Marek Pabtshin, who is currently the coach at Rakov chenzahava Harvard wow. have been really phenomenal in the last few seasons. They've been beating the likes of Legia as well as Lech Poznan in particular. And they came close to the Europa Conference League this season. They had to go through about five rounds this year and they just lost on the last oh, one by a, a goal, slug. by a single five goal. And games. It was, yeah, it's incredible. Unfortunately, they weren't there. But they are a side that in Poland are really exciting. So mm. that's a name, interestingly, linked with the Brighton job. We've also got Deserby, Roberto Deserby, oh, who this used guy's to be getting at the job, And he's an exciting yes. guy, and Deserby. He's a, yeah. one that I believe Alfredo, who uh, the TikToker from Juventus, mm-hmm. really wants at Juventus. But the other one we have to just quickly mention, Bodo glimpsky and I'm gonna ruin his name, Kjellberg <laughs> Um, Yes, again, Kojder um, mm-hmm. is definitely rated in Europe, let alone just in the Norwegian leagues. And yeah. he's doing a phenomenal job at the moment. Obviously, we we know about his credentials. Ask Roma fans what he did, and yeah. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. they <was> Um <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Brighton seem to have someone potentially lined up to replace Graham Potter. So I don't know. Out of those choices, who would you go for, Rory?
0: I really like Bo Svensson. I remember kind of researching mm. him last season at Mainz. It's another... Mainz is the club where Jurgen Klopp came through and Tuchel, off the top of my head, I want to say, started at Mainz. Um, they're <laughs> yes. a club that produced a lot of managers. This guy's very exciting. If I was Brighton, I would be going to him. But also, there's there to be the, what he did with that Sassuolo team. Oh. I, honestly, his Sassuolo team were outstanding. They've not been the same since he left. That is not a coincidence. He had a tricky time at Shakhtar. Obvious reasons. Understandably. Um, but an incredible coach. And I think Brighton could definitely yeah. do worse. Bodo Glimt, yeah. Why not? Why not? I love that Brighton are staying on brand. It's so on brand. <laughs> it's so <laughs> yes. like, no, we're not going to go for your, like, you know, your Harry Rednaps. We're going to go with Sam Allardyces. Yeah. Your proper leagues, find the exciting managers and get the next big one. Yeah. Absolutely on brand for Brighton. Good work fantastic yeah i'd I'd be excited to see any of those coaches in the premier league genuinely um so yeah fingers crossed brighton get another exciting manager and they can continue their march to europe which i've backed them for this season so there we go um i think that is us guys it feels like a long episode um my throat is kind of dry so that must be a long one um (laughs) next week we do have a kind of exciting interview yeah. to release yeah. with you next so Not kind of exciting, it is exciting. Damn it. it Let's is. back ourselves. It's an exciting interview. We're excited to share it with you. So keep your ears out for that one next week. But for now, it's time to say farewell. As always, please do follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglopod, on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Subscribe on YouTube, click like, tell your friends. Give us money. Whatever you want to do, just (laughs) follow us. And on that note, Adam, anything to say before you go?
2: No, it's been a joy as ever. Unfortunately, we couldn't cram as much as we wanted to, Rory, because there's loads of notes I've got here, but never mind. (laughs) I'll have to wait for another occasion. But as ever, great weekend of football.
0: Beautiful. So, as always, or pretty much always, I will leave you with the quote of the week. And we could only pick one person this week. It is, of course, the football genius, Todd Bowley, when he said, We have got one of the best academies in the world. Our academy is Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, Tammy Abraham, Reese's James, Mason Mount, and Trevor Chalaber. Thank you, guys. <laughs> have a great weekend. We will see you next week.
2: Take care, guys.